0: amen amen lord it's it's good to know that we not only long to be there but we will be there place where the praise will never end we will worship you forever and ever and ever and we can't wait and lord we praise you that we get a little taste of heaven every time we gather together and worship you and lord we ask as we go to your word right now that your holy spirit would speak the lord that you would remove the frailties of man that Your Holy Spirit would just minister to every heart that is here. We love you and we praise you and we are so blessed to to be your family and you've given us your word. You've written it down for us, Lord. You'd so direct our lives by your Holy Spirit. What a privilege it is. May you be glorified in our time in your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. It's good to have you here. Uh, before we get to the word this morning, we ha- we're doing one of my favorite things. We're having a baby dedication. I love that. So if Jason and Crystal will bring up little Nathan, I'm going to dedicate him to the Lord this morning. I know everybody loves babies, but I really love babies. Aren't babies awesome? And I think that God uses them in our lives to just give us a better understanding of God's unconditional love for us. Amen. Not that we can ever fully grasp the depths of his love, but having children certainly does that. Look how big he's gotten. Well, let me see him. Hi. Look at you. Hi, sweet boy. Did I take you from mom? You want some glasses? How cute is this little guy? Hi. I think you got a future pastor in the making here. Not shy at all. Well, this is Nathan Graham Lyman, and we're going to pray for you this morning. And you can grab my microphone. How cute. I might have to use this mic. Let him have this one. All right, Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you and praise you for this precious little boy. We thank you, Lord, that you've created him in your image. We thank you, Lord, that you've put him in a Christian home with godly parents. And Lord, we dedicate his life to you. We pray he'd grow up to be a mighty young man of God. Lord, may you watch over and protect him and guide his every step. Lord, I pray for his parents. Lord, I pray for for Jason and, and for Crystal, Lord, that Jason would be the godly father that you, you've called him to be. A godly example that little Nathan can look up to and, and can see what a godly man looks like in his own life. Lord, that he would look to his mom and see the kind of godly woman that if you would tarry, he would grow up and want to marry one day. Lord, I pray you give them supernatural wisdom as they raise this young boy. That they would love him enough to not only show him tenderness and care but Lord the godly direction and discipline he would need and so Lord we just dedicate his life to you Lord we look forward to watching all you're going to do with him we just thank you and praise you for this precious life we thank you Lord that you created him that you knew him before the foundation of the world and you knew that you were going to put him into this godly home so may you bless the entire Lyman household may your hand be upon them. may you be glorified Lord in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said Amen. amen Hey, say hi. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Awesome. My mic might not ever be the same, that's all right. All right. That was sweet. You know what, can I encourage you to, you know, go through the directory and pray for people and Remember that you know when we dedicate babies to the Lord, you know what we 're doing is we 're mindful of the fact that god 's the one who brought him into that family and god 's the one who 's got his hand upon them, but we need to be reminded to keep praying for each other, amen, keep praying for each other 's families, for our children and and Lord, truly, that God would just have his hand on on our precious little ones amen all right well this this week. Um, I was blessed, most of you know I have a full-time job, and I was uh, blessed to, uh, by God's grace, uh, win a sales awards trip, so the reason I'm a little darker is I spent the week down in Cabo San Lucas, which was great. My wife and my two youngest boys went with me, and we had to suffer through things like jet skiing and swimming with dolphins and stuff like that, you know, (laughs) but uh, along with it were a lot of divine appointments, and uh, you know... I got to sit with the president of the company, a couple of the vice presidents different times, and just share my faith with boldness, and God just gives opportunities like that. That's our God, amen? Amen. Guys I would never talk to otherwise, and so sometimes, you know, God will allow us to be put in a position to do that. So that was an incredible blessing. With that being said, though, I got home fairly late last night. We left Monday morning, and uh, I'm learning more and more that I need sufficient time to prepare. So... This morning, we will not be in First John yet again. This is going to be the mini-series, First John. Um, but God knows what he's doing, amen? And uh, so this morning, turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at a story we all know well, or most of us, I should say. It's the story of Jericho. And I titled the message this morning, Overcoming Great Obstacles. And as the children of Israel, they, when we come to Joshua chapter 6, they finally have entered into the land of promise. you got to understand something. This was 440 years in the making in a sense, all the time in Egypt, all the time in bondage, finally being brought out, Egypt being a type of the world, being delivered out of bondage. If you remember that the plague that God brought, that finally brought them out, was at Passover. Remember that if they put the blood of the lamb in the shape of the cross, the angel of death would pass over. Again, it wasn't good enough to slay the lamb. The blood of the lamb had to be applied. And when the blood of the lamb was applied, the people were delivered. And they were delivered out of bondage in Egypt. But if you'll remember that... Basically, a 12 or so day journey turned into a 40 year death march. And the reason was that they were brought to the land of promise after being delivered out of Egypt. But once they got there, they became fearful. If you remember, God had told them to enter into the land. Instead of just entering in, they sent spies into the land. And of the 12 spies, 10 of them came back and said, there's giants in the land. We couldn't possibly go in there. They'll crush us. And only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, hey, they're going to be bread for us. We'll take care of these guys because God is on our side. And certainly it is flowing with milk and honey, as God had said. And it's wonderful. We need to enter in. And what the picture here is crossing over the Jordan, crossing over the Red Sea, a picture of water baptism coming out of Egypt over the Red Sea water baptism, and then crossing over the Jordan a picture and type of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and entering into all that God has for you. Well, sadly, that generation, out of fear, never entered into all that God had for them. Sadly, that describes a lot of Christian lives today. Delivered from the world, but wandering in the wilderness. And Lord, I pray we would not be satisfied with the get out of hell free card, having been delivered from the world. But Lord, may we have everything that you have for us. May we enter into your highest... And so we know that because they would not enter in, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and every male above the age of 20 died in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb, who had brought back the good report. Now, as we come to Joshua 6, they have finally entered in. Even Moses was not able to enter in because he was disobedient. You remember that he got angry, and he smote the rock when he was just supposed to speak to the rock, and Jesus is the rock. And so Moses was not able to enter in. And again, a great picture for us. Moses in type is a picture of the law. He's the one who brought the Ten Commandments. But Joshua led them in. Moses couldn't bring them in. Joshua could. Moses, type of the law, Joshua's name can also be translated Jesus. Yeshua. So guys, the law can't save us. Only Jesus can. Amen? Amen. And so Joshua brought them into the land and they have finally entered in. That one faithless generation has passed away and now they're in the land of promise and you would think, great. We're living the spirit-filled life. We're walking in the center of God's will. We're serving Him completely. We've abandoned all that fear and now we'll never have another problem again, right? Guess what? Sometimes the difficulties in the midst of the most on-fire walk you've ever had in your life are greater than they've ever been before. And that's what we see in tonight's text. They faithfully obeyed. They crossed over the Jordan where the previous generation was fearful. They were faithful. And there would be, again, that temptation to think, okay, we're done. Nothing left for us to fear. But the truth is that the obstacles that were before them are going to be greater than anything that had ever face this current generation and so too for those of us today the the enemy here's the thing guys satan knows if you're saved and he doesn't just go "Oh, he's saved i give up well he knows he can't take you or me to hell with him but short of that he'd like to render us as ineffective for the kingdom as he possibly can if he can't have you walk away from god completely he would like to have you live a discouraged life Where you don't use your gifts and you walk around moaning and complaining and you become an ineffective witness. And so in the midst of all of this, the trials are getting greater. But guys, we need to start recognizing that difficulties are not just unfortunate occurrences that keep us from true, true joy and comfort. But as the sovereignty of God, they are ordained opportunities for spiritual growth. When you run into Jericho's, it's because God wants you to grow. When you go through a difficulty with your health or your finances or your children in rebellion or whatever difficulty you may be facing right this very moment, it's an opportunity for you and I to get to watch God work from the front row. Amen? And so often we hear about what God's doing over there. What God's doing over here. We love to hear missions reports and they're wonderful. We need to pray for them. But you know what? Where we grow the most is when it's happening in our living room, when it's happening at our job site, when it's happening within our own physical bodies. And so here they are entering into the land of promise. And yes, they've been faithful where others had been fearful. And yes, they're about to, you know, see all that God is going to do. But guess what? The trials are still coming. The tests are still coming because without a test, there can be no testimony. Guys, I'm nowhere near where my old senior pastor used to be, but my old senior pastor in San Jose, Don McClure, he wouldn't stay anywhere real long, maybe 10 years or so, because once everything got pretty smooth, he wanted to go find a place where it was difficult. He know, things are too good here. It's too easy here. Buildings paid for, churches booming, God's you know, radio ministry growing, things are wonderful. Let me go find a place where nobody wants to be, where there's difficulty and huge amounts of debt, and it's going to be really trying. Let me go there. I'm like, dude, you're out of your mind. You know, you toil and you try. But his heart was always, you know, Lord, send me to the front of the battle line because that's where I know I'm going to grow the most. He says, it's not me being heroic, it's me being selfish in that I want to continue to grow in my faith. And sometimes when things are real smooth, we don't have to have faith. We can just put it on cruise control. Well, God's going to make sure the children of Israel learn a little lesson about faith in Joshua chapter 6. Because he's going to ask them to do something that seems crazy. Militarily makes absolutely no sense. It's an overcoming enemy, an overwhelming enemy. But guys, only if the enemy is overwhelming does God get all the credit. Amen? Amen. If it's somebody you could take down yourself, you know, we wouldn't be talking about David fighting the five-foot-tall giant, right? You know, David went out and shivered him in the forehead and won the battle. You know, we'd be, so what? But 11-foot, 750-pound guy covered in armor, we got a whole different conversation. You know what? God will often take and put us in a situation where we come to the end of ourselves and realize that we are ill-equipped to do what's in front of us. Guys, can I encourage you, when you're ill-equipped, when you recognize you're ill-equipped, pray about stepping out. Amen? Well, I couldn't possibly do that. You're right, you couldn't. I couldn't. Without Him, I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And we need to be an all-things church, not a comfortable-things church. Amen? We need to be willing to step out in those things that are difficult. And this is a great lesson that's going to be learned for the children of Israel. And I pray a great lesson for all of us this morning. The place that faith grows, where our lives can be impacted, is when there's a seemingly impossible obstacle and an ill-equipped servant. Look in the Bible. Moses, a stuttering shepherd against an Egyptian army and then later backed up against the Red Sea. There is no way a stuttering shepherd can take on an Egyptian army unless God is with them. Amen? Or how about being backed up against the Red Sea and your own people are turning against you? Did you bring us out here to die? Man, I'm going to go hug Moses when I get to heaven. That guy had the toughest church ever. Three million whiners in his church. Constant. But you know what? He was a man who wasn't eloquent In his flesh, he was a man who wasn't mighty on his own, but he was a man who was used mightily by God because he was willing to step out even though he recognized his own weakness. As I said before, David, shepherd boy of the slingshot, when everybody else, including the man they wanted to be king, King Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else in size and good looking and confident and yet cowering in the face of the enemy. And up shows David to bring cheese to his brothers. It's in the text, read it. It's like the milkman bringing cheese to his brothers, right? And he gets there and he hears the towering voice of Goliath. And when he hears it, he doesn't say, dude, that guy's huge. Wow, we should just all leave. He sees all the people shuddering. And instead he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against my God, almighty God? He didn't see 11 foot against him. He saw a mere man against Almighty God. You know why everything changed? Because when David came, the Holy Spirit entered into the camp. And when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, you got a totally different perspective about everything. Now, not only David, but how about Gideon? Boy, God taught him a lesson. You got 12,000. That's too many. But it's already 8 to 1. Yeah, yeah, you might think you're really bad if you win. You know what? Go test the God. And then. of them go, and then more of them go, you know. And then finally there's 300 left. And it's 300 and it says of the army that they number as numerous as locusts. Midianites and Amalekites, trained warriors, and you got 300 guys. Now you know it's gotta be God, amen? If there had been 10,000, they might've thought we're just really bad guys. We're really tough, look at us. When it's 300, you know it's God. Some, Some of you right now, you're the, you're, checkbook looks like the gideon army amen i got three dollars and a locust full of bills right you know pile of bills look like locusts on my desk and you think what in the world and god said i wanted you to get down to three dollars so you would know it's me showing up not you being you know a great you know financial genius we're not financial geniuses we're just desperate for god and that's what works amen and so this is the situation that these men of God have been put into. They trusted God when it didn't make sense. They knew their own frailties. They saw the greatness of a seemingly unbeatable obstacle before them, and they trusted God anyway. Faith is not seeing and then believing. It's believing and then seeing. And I don't want to blow this out of proportion, because, you know, it sounds like we're... But, you know, moving in this building, it's, it's a little bit like that bad economy. I've had other pastors say, are you out of your mind? You're tripling your rent in a bad economy. Guys, our God told us to go. We're going. It's his problem, not ours. He's going to be faithful. He always is. Amen. Yeah. So we get to be on the front row and watch God work. And I'm excited about that. I think it's great. It's real easy when you got a hundred million dollars in the bank. And, oh yeah, well, let's just write a check. That's not faith. It's faith when God says go and you go, I don't know. I'm not. You know, and God says, go anyway. And you go, amen. Got to remember, when they put their foot in the Jordan, the water parted, and not until. And guys, that's the Spirit-filled life. It's stepping out in faith. It's trusting God when it doesn't make sense. So let's get to this morning's text. If you're a note-taker, overcoming great obstacles. Here are the points we want to look at. How do we overcome great obstacles? How do you and I, in the midst of these trials, in our own frailties and weaknesses, overcome the great obstacles of life? Number one, Get your marching orders directly from the Lord. Don't get your marching orders from the popularity of men. Don't get it from doing a Ben Franklin close or what makes sense in your mind, a positive and a negative and, you know. God says that that's enough, amen? I've told you the story of my pastor, same one, Don McClure. He's down in Redlands, same thing. His church is booming, everything's wonderful, and he goes to Pastor Chuck and says, you know, I just feel like God's stirring me up. And i'm supposed to go do something and they prayed about it He says, i know where you're supposed to go to san jose where they have a church of a hundred people that's 14 million dollars in debt that's where you should go and he's like oh i don't think so and he's driving home and he starts doing a ben franklin clothes as he describes it to us he says reasons to stay My wife loves it here, my kids love it here, we have a school, the church is booming, God's doing great things, never been closer to God than I am right now in my life, blah, blah. And on the other side, there was only one thing. You know what it was? God said go. That trumps them all, amen? And the guy went and lived there and took no salary for three years, ate out of the food bank, lived at the church, and you know what? God did great and awesome things that he would have missed out on if he tried to stay in his comfort zone. For you and I, it's the same. We don't get our marching orders from what makes sense to us in the physical. But we hear only and directly from the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Point number two. Get your marching orders directly from the Lord. Number two, share what God has shown you with others. It's not just receiving it ourselves, but passing it on. Joshua's going to get the marching orders from God, and then he's going to tell everybody. Now, this is the part where a lot of us blow it. God told us, and now i got to tell somebody. Oh, I don't think so. People are going to think I lost my mind. You're doing what? You're kidding me. Why would you do that? And certainly the scoffers and the doubters, and even sometimes Christians, are going to come and say, you've lost your mind. But once we hear from the Lord, we need to have the boldness to tell others. Number three, put feet to your faith. Not only receive the marching orders and share it with others, but then be doers of the word. Fifth, remain faithful and obedient regardless of the obstacles, or fourth. Fifth, give God the glory when the obstacle is removed. Guys, when God comes through, and He will, give God all the glory. Amen? It's easy for us to start taking the credit. It's easy for us to say, yeah, I wasn't, well, aren't I a blessing to this city? Look at all I've done. It's a good thing God sent me here, these poor people. You know, that's not, I hope not, Amen? Start talking like that, step away from me. I don't want to have the lightning debris, you know, hitting me. But give God the glory, amen? Number, number six, trust God to do what is right. He's going to exhibit grace and righteous judgment. And then we'll see at the very end the uh, curses and blessings that come when we trust God or when we rebel against Him. So let's go to verse 1 of Joshua chapter 6. Get your marching orders directly from the Lord. Receive your instructions from God's word. Verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The city of Jericho, when the children of Israel came up, had already heard Rahab the harlot in a previous chapter told them that the people in Jericho know about what God has done through you already. They've heard about the exodus out of Egypt. They heard about the parting of the Red Sea. They've heard about the great and awesome things God has done with you, and they're scared of you. And so because of that, they're on full alert. A lot of times to penetrate a city, to break in militarily, you wait till the, the gates are open and you rush in, or you, you, know, you stop up the water and you, you crawl underneath. Or, well, they were on full alert and they were ready for the children of Israel. And we're going to talk about the greatness of this city because it was the greatness of this city that caused 10 of the spies to come back and say, there's no way. The people are giants and their cities are, you know, there's no way we can penetrate them. There's no way we could win in there. And now, as soon as they cross over, first first task right in their face is Jericho. The greatest task available. And it's right in front of their face. The city of Jericho was built a thousand years before Joshua was born. It was one of the oldest and most fortified cities in the world. Its walls were 25 feet tall and 20 feet thick. Think about it. This was not, you know, the crumbling of a Lego, you know, tower or something. 20 feet wide. Chariots could run around on the top on the outside. The wall was huge. This was a mighty fortress. They had soldiers standing guard on top of the wall who could see for miles. The doors were made of iron. And they had bars of brass backing up the iron doors to solidify them. This was a symbol of military power and strength and the Canaanites considered it invincible. It truly was the Goliath of fortresses. Imagine the children of Israel showing up. And looking up at this unbelievable sight, iron doors, outmanned, outmatched, in themselves, no way, nothing we can do. And again, it was the sight of Jericho and such cities that convinced ten Jewish spies that they could never conquer the land. Then it says, none went in and none went out. Again, Rahab had told them that they're scared to death. They had heard about all the things that had happened. But this is a fulfillment of God's promise. His prophetic promise in Exodus says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. So while their fortress was mighty, their hearts were faint. You know, a mighty fortress is not going to give you real peace. Amen? A big bank account is not going to bring you real peace. Had some divine appointments to talk to some guys, you know, very high up in the company I work for who are making millions of dollars a year. And yet, I talk to them. Start talking to them about the Lord several times. Tears in people's eyes. Why? Because money doesn't bring peace. In a mighty fortress, they've got the most seemingly impenetrable force around. And guess what? They're in there fearful. Guys, those who are walking with God have no fortress around them, but they got the greatest protection of all. Almighty God's on their side, amen? So it's not the size of our wealth. It's not the greatness of what we've accumulated. It's the greatness of the God that we serve. The Canaanites were very aware of what God's people were up to and it struck fear into their hearts. It was said that Mary, Queen of Scots, feared John Knox's prayers more than she feared the enemy's armies you know what? I'm ask a question. Is the world today afraid of what God's people do? I will say this. They want to stop what we're doing. At the same time, in a lot of ways, the church has become so weak that there's not a whole lot of fear. There's no fear of God. There's no fear of his people fact the church is so much like the world that the world takes little notice of what we do we imitate their methods we cater to the world's appetites we solicit the world's approval we measure success by worldly standards is it any wonder that we don't gain the world's respect you know often i'll talk to a pastor or i'll talk to people and they'll judge the success of their church by how many people are coming and i'm not saying that's wrong but guys Success is not based on numbers. It's not, we're not called you know, to entertain a crowd, but to make disciples. Amen? It's better to disciple five than entertain 5,000. And we've missed out as a church today putting our priorities all in the wrong place and measuring success by worldly standards. we got the most beautiful building. we got the, you know, the most money, the most people, the most books sold, the most this, the most that. And again, those things can be used for God's kingdom. Don't, I don't want you to think I'm painting those as wrong. But what I'm saying is that success ought to be changed lives. People on fire for God. People who once were lost and now are found and are excited about Jesus Christ. That's transformation. That's when the Holy Spirit is moving. So, I want you to go back to verse 13-15. through 15. Let me read it to you of Joshua 5. Because the next verse 2 said, and the Lord said to Joshua, let me show you how he said it to him. Verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Who in the world is this? This is Jesus Christ. He's all over the Old Testament. How do we know it's Jesus? He worshipped him and he didn't say, get up. Amen? Because an angel will not receive worship. And a man sent by God will not receive worship. But Jesus Christ will. Amen? Amen? And he's the commander of the army. Guys, when the Lord is with us, who can be against us? And Joshua, being face to face with Jesus Christ, didn't say, I got some questions for you. How come you let this happen? What about this? None of that, it was on your face. When we come face to face with Jesus Christ, that's a proper response. Amen? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Guys, do you recognize that we enter into the holy of holies when we pray? Do you recognize that when we open up the word of God and we seek his face, that we're entering into a holy place before a holy God? Amen? Amen. May we have reverence for that time. So I love this. He appears to Joshua who's about to go fight a mighty battle as the commander of the army. But earlier when he appeared to you know Joshua was a warrior so he appears as a commander of an army. Abraham was a pilgrim so he appeared to him as a traveler moses was a shepherd in the wilderness and he appeared to him in a burning bush he appeared to him in a way that would be relatable to the one in whom he is speaking guys jesus came as a man that we might relate to him amen tempted in all ways and yet without sin joshua fell on his face this is a man god can use He says, and the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Joshua, the battle's already been won. He doesn't say, I will give you, I might give you, I could give you. Let's see, have you passed the test? He says, Joshua, I've given it to you. Guys, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Amen. Battle's already won you heard me say it many times. Read the end of the Bible. We win. Amen? We win. God wins. We have nothing to fear. Why did Jesus come at this strategic time? Because Joshua is going to carry out a plan so improbable, it could only be initiated by the Lord. For there to be victory, Joshua needed to understand that the battle was the Lord's and not his, that the battle had already been won that he was fighting from a victory that was assured. Guys, we're fighting a spiritual battle, not a physical one. Amen? Amen. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual for bringing down strongholds or great obstacles. Whatever you're going, you know, whatever's going on in your life right now, again, there's physical elements to it, but it's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual one. Counsel with many of you. you. You guys know I have trials with my own children at times. Gone through some very difficult times in the last few months, and here's the here's the reality. Our marriage will be better. Our kids will change. Our what? When? When? When the Holy Spirit becomes the predominant force in their life, Amen. It's when God gets a hold of them that they change. It's when God gets a hold of me that I change. It's when God's at the center of my marriage that it's healed and restored. Amen. We can go all the seminars we want. We can do all the programs we want. But until Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in our lives, it's not going to change. And so here's where they're at. He needed to understand, you can't do it. That's why I'm going to do it for you. But guess what? I'm going to do it through you. So Joshua, here it is. Battle's already been won. Get ready. And look what he says to him. So you're going to get it. You're going to win the battle. So now he's waiting, this commander with a sword in his hand. I love that Jesus is standing there with a sword in his hand because he's the word and the sword in the Bible represents the word. Amen? How do you have, how do you have victory over the flesh? The word. Amen? And so here he is standing there, sword in hand, and he thinks he's going to get this great you know, military strategy. And here it is. Verse 3. You shall march around the city all your men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Okay. March around the city. What are we looking for? You know what God's doing? He's showing them the greatness of the obstacle. Can you imagine March. the men are marching around for six days looking up you know, 25 feet tall and 20 foot wide, just marching, passing by the iron doors, going around the city and going, whoa. And then you can almost hear them maybe murmuring. I don't know. I don't want to put into scripture what's not there. But you can almost hear the, you know, the soldiers up top, like, what are you going to do? Hey, guys, how's it going down there? You can't even throw anything that high. How are you doing? You know, they could have been mocking them. And for six days they got up, marched around the whole city, went back to camp. And you would think after a few days that there might be some murmuring. What are we doing? And every day just being blown away by the size of the obstacle. I am convinced that often God doesn't answer our prayer in our time because he wants us to see the greatness of what is before us. So when he does answer in his time, he will get all the credit amen? Lord, let me recognize just how great this obstacle is. It's going to require total dependence upon God. Makes no sense militarily. It's going to require great faith, trusting God when it doesn't make sense, believing God's word in spite of their circumstances. But this is the place where people grow. So all the men of war, those 20 years of age and above, began to march around the city, got a good up-close look at the great obstacle before them, time facing the trial day after day. And time facing the trial keeps us humble and desperate, and it's the place that we grow. So here's this march around for six days, and then after that, here comes the, so we're going to march around for six days, then what? You're going to give us this great battering ram. I mean, what's going to happen? You're going to show us how to build a ramp that we can go up the side. What are you going to do? You're going to bring down lightning from the sky. What are you going to do, God? What's going to happen next? Verse 4 and 5. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. What? Is this military paraphernalia? The ark of the covenant and shofar horns that you blow. You know, I've never understood, well, I guess it makes sense. You know, the the guy that blows the, I don't want to be the bugler in the Calvary. How about you? I'm thinking, give me a gun. Your job. Just go up and blow the trumpet. It's, you know, it's orders to move, but how about let someone else do that? Give me something to protect myself. But these guys, this is their weapon. Get the priest, they have no military training, and give them a, a ram's horn to blow into. And the Ark of the Covenant. This is making no sense. You know what that requires? Faith. Amen? It's the substance of things of hope or the evidence of things not seen. It's not seeing and then believing. It's believing and then seeing. Joshua, God says so, that's enough. God's word, God's direction, not what we understand in our human frailty. A test of faithful obedience to trust God when it doesn't make sense. Uh, how about Noah. Noah, I want you to build a really big boat. What's a boat? Well, it's this thing that you all going to escape into when it starts to rain. What's rain? You realize he built a boat for 120 years and was mocked every day because it had never rained before. Telling people that water was going to fall from the sky would be like you and I telling people chickens are going to fall from the sky. What? I'm building a big boat. What's a boat, Noah? I don't know. God told me to build one. Why? Because water's falling from the sky, man. Oh, dude, you've lost your mind. And 120 years, he remained faithful. Why? Because God said so. And that ought to be enough. Amen? Abraham, by faith, went out not knowing where he was going. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's going to require faith of Joshua not only to receive what he hears but explain it to the people he says but on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpets okay and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall fire arrows up at the wall no that's not what it says what are they supposed to do shout i like this Talk my favorite prayer. Help! That's a good one. Crying out to God is far better than trying to do something in your strength. The greatest weapon there is is surrendering to the Lord. Surrender to Him. Give it all to Him. And all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before Him. Now, this seems impossible. You know, can't you imagine saying, you know, have you seen the wall? (laughs) Can I show you something? I know you got a sword in your hand, and this sounds pretty good, but have you seen it? It's that place right over there. Biggest thing I've ever seen. It's going to fall down because we blow horns and shout. I don't think so. You mean, Lord, that you're going to turn Santa Cruz right side up because we pray and share our faith? Seems overwhelming, doesn't it? Might seem impossible. Our God's in the impossible business, amen? Because when it's impossible, God gets to show us how great he is. So, overcoming great obstacles. Get your marching orders directly from the Lord. Trust his word. Fight from victory. Share what God has shown you with others. Verse 6 and 7. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So Joshua hears the word of God, hears the direction from God, and he doesn't keep it to himself, but he is bold to share it with those who God has given to his care. Real faith is not just receiving the word, but giving it out to others. Amen? He'd been given the marching orders. And and again, I've confessed to you before, that there's times when I felt like the Lord was telling me to say something to somebody, and I wimped out. Anybody else relate to that besides me? Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? I'm going to look like an idiot. You know what, what that is? It's a lack of faith on my part. Lord, help us to be men and women of faith. Joshua didn't keep God's will to himself. He delivered God's word to the people. And again, it's not about us just receiving God's word, but passing it on. And it's not always easy or popular to deliver God's word to those he's entrusted to our care. Many, no doubt, thought Joshua had lost his mind. Imagine when that word was delivered. Some of them might have thought, hey, what are you talking about? Dads husbands as a spiritual leader in your home delivering what god has shown you won't always be received with open arms got any teenagers amen your kids every time you tell them something go yeah okay dad you're in charge yeah i'm gonna do that then amen that's not what happens not always maybe maybe in your family always god bless you but not so much always amen people have free will but that's why We don't say, okay, they're not going to respond in a favorable way, so I'm going to say nothing. No, we need to say it more. And be consistent. God said it, that settles it, we're doing it. Amen? God gave our kids parents for a reason. Let's be the parent. Be faithful to God, not popular with men. When there are great obstacles before our families, our finances, health, marriage, again, children in rebellion, may we be faithful to exemplify the Lord to our families, be led by his word, deliver the word that he is. Guys, you can't deliver the word to somebody else you haven't received yourself, and you're not going to receive the word if you don't spend time in the word. Amen? Have you ever met someone go, man, that guy's quoting the Bible all the time, he's always got a word right on time. Guess what? That person spends time in the word. How come I never have the right verse? Because you don't know any. (laughs) Amen? Get the dust off of that thing and open it up. Turn off the reruns and open up the Word of God. Amen? Because when we have the Word of God in us, we can give the Word of God out to those around us. Point number three. Overcoming great obstacles. Get your marching orders directly from the Lord. Share what God has shown you to others. Now, put feet to your faith. One thing to talk about it, another thing to do it. I've talked to people who have been talking about God's got a calling on my life to be a missionary, and they've been talking about it for 25 years. Quit telling me. Amen. And I'm being blunt, but I know that surprises you. But, you, you know, people say, Yeah, God's just had this on my heart for years. Well, quit talking about it. Do it. If God's told you to do it, do it. Amen. So many people. Talk about what they believe God's telling them to do. The Bible says to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't just say what you believe God's word says. Live like you believe it. Amen? So here's what happens. So it was, verse 8, when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew trumpets and the ark of the covenant followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. So the ark of the covenant is in their midst, a constant reminder that God's presence was with them. As we walk in obedience, as we face great obstacles, we too need to remember that we're never alone. Amen? So the ark of the covenant was, God is with us. Remember that the Shekinah glory, the, the pillar of fire, you know, It would rest above the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this was representation of God's presence. And guys, when we go out and we're fighting the battle in this life, God goes with us. He goes before us. Amen? Ought to bring great peace in the midst of the trials. And so they're marching along. The Ark is there. God's presence is with them. And we see that they're blowing the trumpets. The word trumpet there is really Shofar. The shofar was a ram's horn. It wasn't a silver trumpet for declaring war, but it was used primarily in celebrations, time of jubilee. So they were not blowing trumpets of war. They were blowing trumpets of celebration. Again, the battle has already been won. Guys, when we pray, we're not declaring war. We're celebrating victory. Amen? God's already won. They marched around the city. Not declaring war against it, but celebrating what God had promised he was going to do. Again, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout! Then you shall shout. So they moved silently, and they were marching around the city. Waiting for the moment when the word would come for them to speak up. Boy, what a good word for all of us. Sometimes we need to be quiet. Amen? Sometimes we just need to follow the orders and live it out in front of people and allow God to speak through our actions. But when God says, shout, it's time to speak up. Amen? When God says, here it is, here's the opportunity, here's the divine appointment you've been praying for. Speak up! And the time is going to come for them to shout. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circled the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with trumpets. And the men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets verse 14 and the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp so they did six days so six days just as the lord had commanded them they did exactly what he said they didn't say lord this seems like a waste of time lord why do you want me to do this i don't see any fruit the walls are just as solid today as they were on day one why do we keep doing this Have you ever gotten to the point where you're so discouraged you want to stop praying for somebody you want to just give up Or maybe, you know, you haven't seen the fruitfulness to all the labor you've put in. Guys, you be obedient. Fruit is up to God. Six days, day after day, obey, 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 obey. Doesn't make sense. Just obey. God said it. That settles it. That's enough. Amen? Keep doing it. Keep praying. Keep sharing your faith. Keep being bold. Keep seeking after divine appointments. Keep loving, serving, and ministering to people, even when they don't respond in a very godly way. Just keep doing it. Keep being faithful. Keep being obedient. Keep being God's child. Amen? Keep living like it, for it's up to Him. People of Jericho watched them march, heard the shofar, and again, may have incited fear, but who knows? There may have also been mocking. For the children of Israel, as they faithfully march it took courage for israel to do this they're wide open for attack what ask anybody who's in military where's the most vulnerable place to be at the bottom somebody above you going down is going to destroy you almost every time and they're on top of a wall and you're right below them this is like the worst how about we walk right against the wall make it as easy for them as possible it doesn't make sense from the world's perspective. It took courage. It took endurance to march for six days. It took helplessness because for six days they were silent. All they had to do was just keep looking at the size of the enemy, the size of the obstacle, no doubt overwhelming. No doubt some wanted to question, some wanted to complain, but they continued to remain faithful. Joshua continued to lead them. Verse 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose early about the dawning of day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. So instead of once, they marched seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Seven in the Bible, number of perfection or completeness. Seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven times around. In the Bible, on the seventh day of creation, the Lord rested. There were seven weeks weeks between Passover and Pentecost. Seventh year was the sabbatical year. Seven times seven years, then came Jubilee. Three of Israel's feasts were in the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. The seven represents completeness or perfection. The word in Hebrew, Shiva, comes from the root to be full or to be satisfied. So this is God's timing. It represents, this is God's will and His timing, His way. It's perfect, it's complete, it's time. And they obey. They shout for the Lord, had given them the city. After days of silently waiting, they come to shout out of the recognition that God would now give them what He had promised. Notice though, they shouted before the walls fell. They were rejoicing before the walls came down. Sign of spiritual maturity. Rejoicing when we're still in the midst of the trial. Amen? It's easy to shout When we get the doctor's notice that the cancer is gone. It's another thing to celebrate when it seems like it's never going to go away. Amen? This is spiritual maturity. Trusting God, not because of the circumstances, but in spite of it. Overcoming great obstacles. Point number five. Give God the glory when the obstacle is removed. Look at verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction and all, and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Remember earlier that they'd gone in to spy out Jericho, and she had hid them in the wall, and she let them down so they could get away. And they had told her that when they came back, that she was to set out a scarlet cord. And the reason this is significant is because it would lay along the windowsill and then the red cord would be hanging down the wall. And so it's interesting that when destruction comes, the one who's delivered has a cross hanging out her window. Amen? Tell me the Bible's not perfect. Delivered from destruction and God's righteous judgment. Why? Just like at Passover, the blood in the shape of the cross, the cord in the shape of the cross. Notice what it says though. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become aroused when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. Here's one of the things that can happen God brings victory, and then we start to take the credit or we start to try to profit from it. And they could go in, and now the city's going to be in ruins, the wall's falling down. It's a city ripe for the taking. God has already said you've won the battle, but he says when you go in there, don't touch their idols. When you go in there, even though they may be worth something to the world, I don't want you to have anything to do with them because if you bring it back with you, you're going to bring destruction upon yourself. Guys, we should not get so caught up in what the world worships. Amen? We should not allow ourselves to miss out on God's highest and see you know, God's mighty hand as an opportunity for us to profit in that which is temporal. Our focus needs to be on that which is eternal. All the valuables belong not to men, but to God. Look what it says in verse 19. But all the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So don't touch the idolatrous things at all. Leave them there. But those things that are of value, give them to God. God brought the victory. God gets the glory. Amen? We give God of our first fruits, not what's left over. Look, God, i got $5 left for you at the end of the month. We give Him the first fruits, not the last fruits. Amen? How much of our stuff belongs to God? What percentage? A hundred. It's all His. This is God's pink shirt. You didn't even know that, did you? But it's true. It's all God's stuff, right? It all belongs to Him. We're just stewards. And we need to be faithful stewards. The first roots belong to the Lord. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. The people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Can you imagine? I would love a video. See a video of this. Amen. They start shouting and the wall just falls out. You know, they found the ruins. The wall fell out. Not in, out. Walls don't fall out, they fall in. Unless God says, then they fall out. Amen. And they fell out, because God said so. The people shouted, and the wall fell down. No shots fired, no arrows, no fire, no, no battle, no sword drawn. Just Almighty God in charge. It's far better, amen? God brought the victory just as He said He would. God is faithful to His word every single time. God brought the victory, but He allowed the people to take part in the victory. And as we faithfully walk in obedience, we get to take an active part in God, removing the great obstacles of life. This is where we grow. God gave them the city. They responded by faith and they took it. it. says there, then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Verse 21, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Now, these are things that people struggle with. They read these kind of things and they think, what kind of God is this? This is the God who had been reaching out to these people who had rejected him for over and over and over and over. Our God is a God of love and grace and mercy that desires that none should perish. No, not one. Amen? And while he suffers long, he won't suffer always. And these were people who were idolatrous and wicked and had perverted themselves against God. The greatest sin of of the Canaanites was spiritual. They were practicing witchcraft. They were offering their children. They were setting their kids on fire and offering them up to their false gods. They had soothsayers and sorcerers. They conjured spells. They had mediums and spiritists. They had people who tried to call up the dead. This was a godless place. And God brought righteous judgment. Again, God suffers long. He won't suffer always. We're almost done. I know we're going a little over this morning, but we shared a few extra things. Verse 22 through 25. Trust God to do what is right. Look at verse 22. But Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country. Who's that? Joshua and Caleb, right? But then they sent two more men to go into Jericho. Those spies were sent back. And here's what they said. Go into Harlot's house, the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. So notice what happens. Rahab and her household were saved by putting feet to their faith. Rahab not only put put her faith in the God of Israel in her speech, but also in her actions. She not only hid the spies, but she remained in the house with a scarlet cord hanging from her window. Again, just like Passover. Verse 24. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury in the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You know, that story gets even more incredible because who's in the lineage of Rahab? jesus christ what a harlot in a land of idolatrous people and we look and think how could god use her guys how can god use us amen what a word of encouragement that god can use any one of us not because of who we are but because of his great grace and who he is amen all jericho heard about the god of israel but only rahab responded in faith towards him And again, it's not about what we've heard, but how we respond. Amen? It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to respond. Many will stand before God on Judgment Day and be able to quote verses and say, you know, we cast out demons in your name. We heard about you, we know about you, guys. We can't know about him, we need to know him. Amen? I know about God. Well, you better get past knowing about him and have an intimate relationship with him. Be adopted into his family, amen? Amen? one thing to know about your neighbor down the hall and there's another thing to be adopted into the family and then finally praise god that he is a righteous and a faithful judge and we dare not question his judgment notice there are curses and blessings and joshua charged him at the time saying curse be the man before the lord who rises up and builds this city jericho he shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. Guess what happens in First Kings chapter 16? A man by the name of Hill Hael, built Jericho. And he laid the foundation with the death of his firstborn son, Abiram. And with his youngest son, Segeb, he set up its gates according to the word that the Lord had spoke through Joshua. You know, God warns us, if you do this, this is going to happen. And then we think somehow God's not paying attention and we do it anyway. Amen. Anybody else ever done that besides me? God's word is clear. Oh, yeah, but you know, I'm an exception. It doesn't really apply to me. If you knew my situation, you'd understand. No, God's word trumps it all. And here the word of God is very clear. Somebody did it. Guess what? Exactly what God said would happen. You ignore God's word, you're going to face its consequences. Lastly, so the Lord is with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Why, would he, why was he famous? Because he was a mighty warrior? No. Because he had great military strategies? No. Because he was a man who heard the word of God When faced with the Lord, he surrendered his life completely to him. And then upon hearing the word of God, he obeyed it faithfully. Lord, help us to be like Joshua. Amen? Because God would call us to hear the word, to respond to the word, to obey the word, but at the same time, to spend time in his presence, fully surrender to him, that we might be able to receive what God has for us. Amen? Guys, whatever obstacle we're facing... Some of us have some Jerichos in our lives this morning. Our God's greater. And He might ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you. Doesn't have to make sense to you. Just has to make sense to God. Amen? And aren't you glad we serve a God that we can't completely figure out? Because if you could figure Him out, He wouldn't be God. He's too great. Amen? And praise God that He is. So, overcoming great obstacles. It's an opportunity for spiritual growth to be a godly testimony. How we do that? We get our marching orders directly from Him. We share what God has shown us with others. We put feet to our faith. We're doers of the word, not hearers only. We're patient to wait upon God's timing. We give God the glory when the obstacle is removed, and we trust God to do what is right. God is not surprised by the economy. God is not surprised by the trial you're in right now. God brought us here. God brought allows us to be here for a reason. Lord, be glorified in it. And Lord, we're going to celebrate right now, not wait till the answer comes, not wait till the walls fall down, because we know we're not fighting for victory, but from victory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that Just as the ark was in their midst as they walked around the walls of Jericho, so too, Lord, you walk with us in the midst of the trials of this life. We thank you, Lord, that unlike the world, we are never alone. We need never panic. We need never be fearful or worried. But, Lord, we thank you and praise you that your Holy Spirit indwells us. You walk with us. You go before us. You give us the strength we need to walk in obedience to you. Lord, I pray for everyone here, whatever Jericho they might be facing this morning. Lord, give them faith to continue to step out in what you would call them to do. May they be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. May they hear your voice, and not only hear your, your voice, but respond to it. Share with others. Step out in faith. And Lord, praise you, not when it's over, but even in the midst of the trial. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you, God, that you're greater than any fortress. You're greater than any trial. You're greater than any disease. You're greater than any financial difficulty. We thank you, Lord, that you are great. You are awesome. You're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. You're always faithful, and we serve you. We're your kids. Lord, what peace comes from that? Lord, we lay our lives at your feet. We look forward to watching what you're going to do in the trials of life. Lord, bring on the trials if it's going to make us closer to you because that's where we want to be. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.